Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Town of Portland weekly podcast. We're a day late today because of uh, a very, very special guest um, that Susan is going to introduce in just a second. But in the studio with me is our first select woman, Miss Susan Bransfield, and our public works director, okay, Mr. Robert Shea slash fire chief also. And also on the line is we have our Chatham Health Director, uh, Mr. Russ Melmid. So, uh, Susan, I'm going to turn it over to you, and uh, maybe uh, would you like Russ to uh, to do his uh, uh, thing? Well, why don't you uh, introduce sure. our special guest? Sure. Um, well, just a little rundown of the agenda for today's podcast. We're very happy to welcome back Russell Melmed, who is the Director of the Chatham Health District, and... Uh, Russell is going to give us a synopsis and a rundown on COVID-19 in our health district, and in particular for the town of Portland. Our second guest is uh, the esteemed director of public works, Mr. Robert Shea. And Bob is also going to give us an update on our safety from the fire chief, as he is our chief perspective. And our special guest today, which I'm delighted to have here in, in our podcast, is Congressman John Larson. John Larson is a friend of Portland for many, many years. And in particular, he will be serving on the uh, committee that the president has put together to say how we are going to take the next steps in regard to reentry to the new normal. So Congressman Larson is going to go into some detail on that. The majority of our podcast will feature him, and we're looking forward to that. So without further ado, I think we will start our day with uh, Russell Melmed. Russell. Uh, thanks, Susan. Thanks for having me, and uh, thrilled to, to hear Congressman Larson's uh, remarks uh, very shortly, so I'll keep mine brief. Um, uh, just a rundown of the numbers in Chatham Health District uh, in terms of uh, uh, confirmed cases of COVID-19. We've had 127. Uh, there are six towns in Chatham Health District, uh, one of which is Portland. Um, but a third of our cases, a third of 127, have been in Portland, um, at 46 total. And, and that is really reflective of what's going on in one of our long-term care facilities in Portland. And uh, I think you know, everybody understands that uh, the, the risk, the high-risk groups uh, for severe disease are our older uh, older adults, and uh, when we see concentrations of older adults are in long-term care facilities, and they're all in a congregate setting, they're all living together. Um, so uh, we are having uh, some issues in our long-term care facilities, and we need to support them as much as we can. In Portland, we've had, unfortunately, uh, 10 COVID-19-related fatalities. Um, that, that is a high number, but again, um, I think the reason we're seeing uh, those numbers is because of our, our long-term care facilities, uh, where we do see um, unfortunately, uh, the risk of severe consequences from COVID-19 disease uh, goes up uh, as, as you get older. Um, I want to make two other uh, uh, remarks. One is about testing and the other is about contact tracing. That, uh, that may be that's been in the news recently. Uh, and the two things are linked. Um, at testing, uh, we're seeing more tests roll out across uh, the state of Connecticut. Um, different kinds of tests. Some are rapid tests, which is very important. Uh, some still take a number of days. Um, we are starting to see some antibody tests out there, and that's good because uh, antibody tests can give us a picture in a population of uh, proportions of the population that have been exposed. But 
Uh, a word of caution with those tests: they're, they're still, um, uh, they're still. We still don't know uh, how well they function for individuals to use them to say, okay, I've, I've been exposed. I have, I've had, I have antibodies. Does that mean I'm protected? I can go out into the community and, and not worry about being exposed and getting sick again? We just don't know the answer to that question with these antibody tests yet. So um, the, the jury is still out, but it, it is an important component of testing is to understand how many people may have been exposed and recovered. Um, and uh, so to be continued on that. Um, contact tracing. So when we test somebody and we find out that somebody is, uh, is infected um, with this novel coronavirus, Public health departments across the country, really across Connecticut and, and Chatham Health District, certainly reaches out to those individuals uh, as soon as we find out that they've um, tested positive. And we interview them. We find out, you know, how long ago their symptoms started, and we try to find out from them who they came into close contact with so that we can then reach out to those individuals, hopefully before they become sick, and tell them that they need to stay in quarantine. That's wait about 14 days to see if you become sick and stay away from others uh, during that period. This is a very important way that as we start to see the backside of this first wave, as we start to flatten the curve and see the number of cases go down, it's an important way, an important component um, to get to fewer cases. If we can find people who are infected and reach their contacts because before they infect others, that's the key. Find contacts because before they get sick and infect others, then we can really bring the number of new cases down significantly. Um, and that is connected to testing. We need to have testing that is accessible. We need to have testing that is rapid um, and accurate. And then we need to get those reports as fast as possible at, at local, local health departments. So that's why testing is so important. That's why it's really important for us to get testing out there so that we can really um, ramp up that contact tracing, finding everybody who was exposed and didn't get sick and letting them know they were exposed and they need to be cautious around other people and in quarantine. Um, and, and let them know what they should do if they become sick. And that's another big question that people have. Well, what do I do when I become sick? Okay, we need to isolate. We tell people that when they're sick, they need to stay away from others. And when is it safe for them to stop isolating? You know, that's, those are the other things that we tell people when we reach them as people who are exposed or even the sick individuals themselves sometimes don't know what to do when they are told they've tested positive. So um, this is all part of contact tracing. Um, I'm looking forward to the state rolling out a plan um, for local health departments and the state health departments to partner together to do more contact tracing. And, uh, and I think that's how we will get to um, the place we need to be, where people can feel comfortable going out and about and knowing we are finding all those cases, reaching out to all their contacts, and that people who are sick or infectious are not out in the community. Um, so that's, uh, that's what's been in the news lately about COVID-19, and I just wanted to, wanted to give my, uh, my thoughts on that, and I'll, I'll, pass, I'll pass the baton over back to Susan. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Russ. And uh, always great information. And uh, uh, again, the the information that uh, you know that we've been putting out with with Susan and you and Bob, and uh, you know, last week we had uh, uh, Lori Matthew from the state health department on, who was giving our uh, residents a a real good perspective uh, and a real good uh, barometer of what's going on, and and how we're handling it. I think that's so 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 important. So, 
Uh, anyway, uh, if without any further ado, I think we're going to throw it over to Bob before we uh, give it to the congressman. And uh, Bob, it's all you. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Dave. And Russ, um, can't thank you enough for just keeping in close contact with me. Uh, the information that you're providing us is uh, greatly appreciated and very critical to my first responders and keeping them safe. So um, thank you for that. Let's uh, continue to work together, and I'm sure it's helping not only us, but uh, many of those public safety entities that are coming into our community to assist us as well. So thanks for that. Uh, Dave, uh, just general updates. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, related to that, uh, you know, we continue uh, working closely with um, Russ and his group, making sure that, again, you know, we're notified properly so we know, you know, what we're doing relation in relation to response and keeping the members of the department as safe as possible. It's difficult. You know, our numbers are high, as you can, you can see. We have areas that we're concerned about. So we need to do our best as a department, uh, me as a chief officer, as well as my staff uh, in the office, to make sure that we're doing everything possible that we can to keep our members as safe as, and as well as their families, those that they go home to, while we're continuing to respond to those incidents that uh, we need to provide assistance to. So I think we've been good. I hope that it continues, and I hope we continue to, you know, move in that direction um, and uh, get to a place that is a little safer and, you know, we're a little more confident and we can do a little more. We're, we're, we're out of our realm right now as far as training and things that we're normally doing each and every week. It's breaking up our family, as we say, and uh, I know that our members are anxious to get back to um, our training and our uh, things that we do each and every week, but we certainly understand that that's not going to happen until we get a good handle on this. So we'll continue to move forward with whatever we need to do and with the help of our health district and the CDC and the state, uh, you know, we're doing our best. So, um, And thank you to the public for understanding some of our changes in policies, and they seem to be working very well, so we'll keep up with that. Um, on the relation, to, you know, town, very short, uh, just so John can uh, um, can get his message out as well. You know, we continue to do what we can as far as projects. You know, working uh, primarily alone um, is difficult. I'm trying to keep my staff on the public work side, water and sewer, grounds, buildings, uh, many divisions, you know, separated and safe as well. So we're doing that. We're, we're taking every precaution we can. They are working. Um, right now, we are in good shape. We're trying to remain healthy, and uh, we'll continue to do what we can. Great, Bob. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Um, Congressman, I really appreciate your time, uh, and again, uh, uh, taking time out of your schedule. And I, I, I assume you're in Washington now? No, I flew back uh, last night. Ah, okay. So you're you're in the nutmeg state here. So exactly, fantastic. Just to be with Susan. Ah. There you go. Good to have you here, Congressman. Thanks so much. Um, we're looking forward to hearing what you are, are going to report to us. Sure. I, I know uh, everybody's crystal ball is cloudy, and I hope you can <laughs> provide some clarity. Uh, and I know we we did a Zoom uh, uh, board of education meeting now, and and. Uh, 
you know, the superintendent, obviously, with the way things are being so fluid uh, and so forth. So uh, wanting to know what's what's happening in the uh, uh, in, in the Beltway and uh, give us an update on the uh, the latest stimulus package and uh, anything that you can uh, provide us information with. So thanks so much. It's all you. Well, thank you, David. And uh, first and foremost, uh, let me uh, thank First Select Woman Susan Bransfield. Uh, I think as long as I've been a member of Congress, I've had a great relationship with her and a working relationship. And I really appreciate these uh, opportunities and especially uh, hearing from uh, Russ and and Bob uh, puts these uh, things that we're attempting to do at the national level in perspective. Uh, We do a number of uh, tele-town halls uh, for obvious reasons, trying to adhere to uh, making sure that uh, we're following all the appropriate procedures uh, as we deal with the isolation of this, uh, what amounts to a global uh, pandemic uh, that certainly has impacted our nation, our state, uh, and our, our communities. Uh, I'll be doing another uh, cast later uh, this afternoon with Larry McHugh at the uh, Middlesex Chamber, where where we will also review the uh, what we were able to pass uh, yesterday uh, in Congress, and I believe the president will sign into law uh, if he didn't last night, uh, uh, first thing uh, today. But. Uh, uh, I also want to say that uh, last week I was uh, asked by the White House uh, to serve on a congressional task force to reopen the government. And while I may have had uh, several disagreements with the president on a variety of issues, uh, in this time of a global um, pandemic and a time of crisis, you put partisanship aside and do what's in the best interest of the country. I believe this will uh, give us... uh, and give Connecticut a seat at the table. We've been working very closely with uh, Governor Lamont, uh, and uh, we're able then to pass on the concerns uh, that we need to address. I've also emphasized that we especially must work to address, and you heard Ross go through this, the problems affecting the elderly and especially communities of color and women, and women of color specifically. Uh, As Russ pointed out, this is the most vulnerable group uh, amongst us. And I want to make sure that as Congress is going forward, and I'll speak about it a little bit later, um, we've put forward a very specific emergency Social Security requirements. uh, And I believe long-term that we have to fix Social Security structurally Uh, because it's even more necessary now than ever, especially with more than 10,000 baby boomers a day becoming eligible for Social uh, Security. Make no mistake, also, as Russ pointed out, this is a public health crisis that must be addressed in a swift, strong, phased approach and driven by experts. The bottom line here is that the health and economic security of the nation are inextricably linked. And testing and contact tracing, as Russ uh, talked about, 
certainly treatment and also developing uh, a vaccine are going to be critical to a strong recovery. And those are important benchmarks for every community to consider as we go through uh, when it's appropriate to open based on uh, making sure we've reached those uh, benchmarks. I've made that a priority for myself on the task force, both uh, healthcare testing, contract tracing, treatment and vaccine, um, expanding uh, on an emergency basis Social Security with the idea to uh, make it permanent after we get through this crisis. And I've also come up and said uh, in a bipartisan fashion uh, that we've got to start thinking about paying for these. And since this is a global pandemic and uh, certainly a national pandemic, why not the idea going back to what they did in the Second World War? War bonds. Uh, the drives that were held back then, uh, the idea of people's ability to invest in bonds, where the bonds would go directly uh, the payment would go directly into the medical supplies uh, that are needed, the PPE that helps Bob Shea and his first responders. All of these things are going to be vitally important. Um, yesterday, uh, we voted to expand uh, the uh, $2 trillion CARES Act, and we did so in the following manner an additional $310 billion for a paycheck uh, protection program. In addition, uh, funding targeted to, to small businesses owned by minorities, women, and veterans will receive priority. Uh, $30 billion is dedicated to community-based lenders specifically, including minority depository institutions, community development, financial institutions, SBA microlenders, nonprofit certified development companies, as well as smaller credit unions and banks. We also dedicated $30 billion to mid-sized credit unions and banks with assets above $10 billion and less than $50 billion. And $50 billion for the SBA economic disaster loan commonly referred to as EIDL. I know we throw a lot of acronyms at you guys, and uh, but uh, it's all intended to get money where it's needed most. We also, I'm very proud that uh, Democrats argued very strongly to make sure that we're doing more for hospitals and the true heroes and heroines of this are health care workers. An additional $75 billion, uh, to provide resources to the front lines, including personal protective equipment. And that's the, the, the gloves, the masks, the gowns, the caps, the ventilators. All of the things that you've heard and read about that uh, we need to make sure is there. And uh, we also, and again, you heard Russ mention this, and nothing could be more important than testing. And uh, contrary to what the president says, all of our experts, and you just heard from Russ, and this is true all across the country, 
uh, is that we need more testing because it's the testing and the results of that that will build consumer confidence and will build confidence amongst our constituents and will allow local officials to say whether or not a community is ready uh, to open up and where. And with the uh, tracing and tracking, be able to isolate cases uh, and, of course, continue to stop the spread and contain the spread of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, additionally, you know, we are working on a fourth package. It was um, fortunate that um, Mitch McConnell has said the things that he has over the last several days, including that states and municipalities should go bankrupt. Uh, I, I just simply don't understand that logic. But uh, the president, at least, uh, has agreed, and uh, we will continue to put forward a fourth package which would include, again, the expansion of Social Security uh, benefits, a uh, science-based comprehensive national plan requiring testing, contract tracing, and benchmarks to determine when uh, restrictions are lifted in communities, utilizing the Defense Production Act, which we continue to say to the president, uh, needs to be done to manufacture more test kits, more PPE, that's, that's personal protection equipment, and needed supplies with the federal government coordinating the supply chain so that states are, aren't bidding against one another, which we've also heard as well. We also want to include funding to reimburse state and municipalities for lost revenues, more direct payments and expanded uh, paid family and medical leave for individuals, more assistance for business left out of the CARES package, hazard pay for first responders and other frontline essential workers. We are currently far below the minimum of 500,000 tests per day needed to better understand and combat the virus and thus need to ensure, again, as you heard Russ say, sufficient funding and resources for testing, tracing, and treatment at the levels necessary to contain the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, resources uh, to address COVID-19 related disparities in the minority community and Native American communities also uh, have to be addressed as well and will in the next round of legislation we are putting forward. Uh, this week I also announced uh, I'll be introducing a Victory Bonds Act. Now, this bill will direct the Department of Treasury to create government savings bonds to support the federal government's public health response to the coronavirus pandemic and support uh, for small businesses. The Victory Bonds Act creates the opportunity for Americans to voluntarily contribute in a patriotic effort to protect our people and emerge triumphant over this disease. As the president has said, we're, in, we're at war. We're at war with a silent enemy in terms of the coronavirus. But nonetheless, it's a war. And many Americans have asked what they can do. And this is one way that you can help even if you're at home. And um, 
You also, I wanted to mention the stimulus checks. People started getting their direct uh, deposits this past week. If you haven't, you should check the status at irs.gov slash coronavirus. There is a Get My Payment portal. Let me repeat that. There is a Get My Payment portal that you can check the status and update uh, information as needed. Non-filers should also check the website to see if you need to submit information. I encourage everyone to do so. The fastest way to get your payment is via direct deposit. Even if you have given that information to the IRS in the past, you should confirm that they have it and go to that website. This is especially true if you are a supplemental security recipient or a VA benefit recipient who has a or who has a dependent that doesn't file taxes. You only have a limited amount of time, so please go to the irs.gov and make sure they know you have dependents. Otherwise, you will not get your $500 for them until next year, and it may take months to receive a paper check in the mail. Be aware that, that there have been some technological glitches with the website, and Treasury is working on fixing of that. With regard to SBA loans, uh, SBA reportedly announced that the Paycheck Protection Program reached the $350 billion limit that was made available through the CARES Act. SBA will stop accepting additional applications for PPP loans, that's Paycheck Protection Program loans, until Congress provides additional funding for the program, which we did yesterday, uh, to keep workers on payroll and small businesses from going under. SBA reportedly approved well over 1.3 million loans with the average loan size at just under $240,000. In Connecticut, the SBA approved 11,930 loans resulting in appropriations of more than $2.9 billion. Treasury guidance mandates that lenders mandates the lenders to make the first disbursement of loans within 10 days from the date of approval so the businesses should start receiving the funds over the next few days. There are more than 4,400 lenders partici- participating in the program. <clears throat> uh, yesterday's interim bill will give uh, the PPP an additional $310 billion targeted to small businesses owned by minorities, women, and veterans, $30 billion dedicated to community-based lenders, specifically including minority depository institutions, community development financial institutions, SBA microlenders, nonprofit certified development companies, as well as smaller credit unions and banks. $30 billion dedicated to mid-sized credit unions and banks with assets above $10 billion, and less than $50 billion as well. And $50 billion for the SBA's Economic Injury Disaster Program, EIDL, and $10 uh, <clears throat> billion in EIDL emergency grants. Uh, the CARES Act uh, provider release fund, um, HHS has distributed $30 billion out of the $100 billion 
included in the CARES Act, $10 billion for hotspots, including 100 top counties with COVID cases, to go out April 29th, an additional $10 billion to hotspots in the next 45 days, $10 billion for rural health care, another $400 million to Native American health care systems to be distributed April 24th, and $10 billion to cover costs of treatment of the uninsured. The Center for Disease Control has issued uh, $12,409,997 in coronavirus funding to the state of Connecticut. It intends to award more to the state as we go through the CARES Act. Obviously, there's been a backlog of unemployment claims in Connecticut. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the state of Connecticut has seen a massive increase in unemployment insurance filings. More individuals have filed in the last month than filed in the last year and a half. So to say that the Department of Labor has been overwhelmed is an understatement. Uh, They are working diligently, however, to increase capacity, and just this week made a breakthrough with a systems upgrade. Moving forward, people can expect to wait a wait of one week or less, and the backlog should be significantly reduced or eliminated by the end of next week. Individuals who have already filed should check their uh, emails for more information from the Department of Labor to expedite the completion. The State Department of Labor also announced implementation dates for the federal unemployment programs. The federal unemployment compensation program, which gives all filers an additional 600 uh, weekly, will begin April 24th, with funds being included in payments the following week. The pandemic unemployment assistance program, which gives benefits to independent contractors, self-employed, and others normally ineligible, will begin April 30th. Regardless of when the application is processed, workers will get benefits that date, get, get benefits that date back to when they lost their job. It's important to know that no matter when your application is approved by the Department of Labor, you will receive your benefits retroactively. I understand that uh, this does not help those of you who are unemployed and need the cash now, but you will not miss out on receiving the actual amount of money you are eligible for. Hopefully, the economic impact payments that Treasury is paying directly into our bank account will help you as you wait for the unemployment payments. If you have not yet received that payment, please again go to the IRS's website and give them your bank info to get it as soon as possible. And that again is irs.gov slash coronavirus. As of Monday, the Connecticut Department of Labor has received 386,000 unemployment insurance claims and has, and has processed and approved or denied 293,000 claims since mid-March. Payments are issued via direct deposit within two days of processing. The current wait time for processing is under one week. The Department of Labor expects the current backlog to be eliminated by the end of the next week. 
As part of the family's first Coronavirus Response Act, Congress allocated a billion dollars for states to increase the capacity of the unemployment system. So that's a brief background of just what transpired uh, yesterday and in the previous uh, packages. I would also add that on a number of uh, the teletown conferences that we've had, uh, one of the things the governor has done and uh, constituents have told me is most useful is going to the 211 line if you have a question or uh, an issue an issue as it regards uh, to the state. And we can't emphasize enough, again, for payments as it relates to the IRS to go directly uh, to their uh, website as well. And with that, uh, uh, Susan, oh. <laughs> uh, let me turn it back to you and uh, happy sure. to stay on and sure. take questions. But uh, all this information, and especially uh, I thought it was important to hear from uh, uh, from Bob uh, and Matt first, uh, because that, uh, uh, and Russ first, uh, that gave us uh, uh, an idea that uh, the monies that we're focused on and trying to get out the door are headed in the right direction uh, and for the people that need them yeah. the most. Well, um, Congressman, you've been uh, very, very busy, as, as has our federal government, our state government, and also here locally, which our listeners heard a few minutes ago. One of the things that I plan on doing is I'll work with Dave and our information technology group. We'll get some of this information up on our website, Congressman, so that if folks need to access it um, easily... They can find it at our portlandct.org site. The Perfect. more information we can get out, the better for those who are hurting. And uh, believe me, there are many of us hurting. And we're looking forward to the end of this as we keep repeating, Congressman. But we don't know how each day is going to proceed. Um, knowing some of this information from you is helpful uh, to me. It's comforting that this help, while it has arrived for some people, others are still waiting. And it's very yeah. encouraging to hear what was just passed yesterday, because many of those things are going to help individuals, help our state here in Connecticut, and help Portland in terms of some help maybe coming for our cities and towns as well. I have one question for you, Congressman, and that is, sure. what can we do to help? Everyone wants to be part of the solution. And from your perspective, what's something that our listeners can do to help get us well, through sure. <clears throat> Well, first of all, I uh, normally, and as I said, we've had a number of uh, tele-town halls that we've, uh, that we've done. Uh, I'm impressed by just um, how many people are out there. Uh, on their own, in their communities, doing whatever they can for people that are shut in. This is a heartbreaking time. Uh, we're all aware, and I believe Russ mentioned it, um, of what's happening, especially uh, in our uh, healthcare uh, facilities and nursing homes, especially where we are housing the most, the most vulnerable and the most um, uh, frail. And heart-wrenching uh, in terms of the isolation they're going through, and even at times when people would like to be in contact with their loved ones, 
but for their own safety, health, and well-being, uh, the science and the guidelines are that you should that you should not. And so that's why, uh, Susan, we think uh, we hope uh, that we get our our <clears throat> concept of victory bonds uh, passed, so that people will be able to both uh, support the government and its efforts in ongoing relief and also uh, support small businesses in allowing uh, the government on two fronts to continue to direct money in those vital areas, uh, et cetera. And I would also uh, hear the, uh, uh, the pleas of, uh, again, your local responders and sure. everything that people need at those areas. And as you pointed out, I think it's vital for every community to have portals uh, that they can, that citizens can go to and perhaps see how they can help. And also, if you know of cases where people are hurting or need assistance, but for whatever reason can't, maybe it's pride, maybe it's a whole host of things, uh, that, uh, do whatever you can to pitch in. It's in times of crisis that I think the very best of the country comes through now. We should also be care very careful to note that during crisis like this, there are also those who will try to exploit sure. and don't give out information, especially Social Security numbers and other information like that to strangers or individuals who you do not implicitly and forthrightly trust and know they have your best interests in mind. Uh, because uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, as in this crisis, as in others, there will be people who will try to take advantage of that. So you can help also by uh, reporting any kind of suspicious activity or or fraud uh, because it's those individuals, um, not unlike some of the individuals who got loans who, uh, frankly, didn't need them. I, I commend the president for saying they should give those back, and they should because we need to make sure that the money is getting out the door where it's most needed to the people that are impacted and hurt most severely during this crisis. Agreed. Agreed. Sure. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more on the victory bonds. It's something that I think is great interest to us and something that we all can do to get through this together. And it's certainly uh, something we look forward to working with you on. I, I think Bob might have a few comments as well. No, just Congressman, I just want to thank you. You know, it's been 19 years. I've worked uh, pretty closely related to yep. uh, grants and funding that you have helped provide for our town, our first responders, all of our citizens. So thank you for that. Um, it continues. You know, we're in the mix right now, and your support is there as, as always. So um, I can't thank you enough for that. <clears throat> and we're uh, looking forward to assist on uh, back in. Uh, March, uh, <clears throat> uh, we submit. You submitted a letter to us, and uh, we have uh, uh, again submitted an, another letter uh, asking for uh, to make sure that uh, you get the uh, uh, grant uh, to purchase the new tanker and self-contained breathing apparatus uh, that are necessary for our first responders. Uh, I, I know uh, the valiant effort that is put forward in all of our communities uh, by the professional and volunteer departments and combinations of 
of both, and we just have to make sure that those uh, people on the front line of our defense uh, have the protection uh, that they need and uh, the major equipment that they need. And this is money that is uh, vitally needed, and uh, I'm honored and happy to work with you. You know, my uh, dad was a firefighter and uh, ended up being the captain of the Pratt Whitney uh, Fire Force. So I always have a special place in my heart for firefighters. Thank you for that. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you, Congressman. Yeah, one question, Congressman, also um, from the, has the, the stimulus package that you guys passed yesterday, has that made it to the president's desk yet? Yes, I believe he was either. And forgive me because I got in late last night, and um, uh, but I believe uh, he probably is signing it today. I would believe there will be a signing ceremony, although he may have because of the emergency nature of it when it was processed over the bill passed around six o'clock in the evening. So he may have signed it even last evening, but uh, I was both en route to the airport where we had a lot of cancellations. And uh, so I, I can't say for sure, but if he didn't sign it last evening, I'm sure he will sign it today and it will be in effect. That's great news. And, and you know, from, from the public standpoint, so uh, the people that got their $1,200 stimulus check, this is going to be another round of that. Uh, for, for the stimulus? Yes, this is, uh, uh, this is money that it was, that with, first of all, we ran out of the initial uh, $300 billion, so this is an additional $320 billion that's going out. But again, it was specified a little bit differently in that a large complaint about the number of minorities um, and small businesses that were left out of the first one and therefore specifically targeting portions of that money, including to other banks, including small credit unions and others that we've heard from in the state of Connecticut. And again, it's been great to be able to work with uh, Governor Lamont uh, here in the state. And uh, much of the data that I've been provided uh, for the task force that I sit on uh, comes from the governor and his people. And so this information that you provide and these gaps that individuals see, whether you're an average citizen or, you know, you're the uh, fire chief, uh, uh, this is important information because we want to make sure that we get this right. Yeah, and I, I want to say, too, that um, as first select woman, I can't say enough good things about our Governor Lamont and our Lieutenant Governor Bicewitz. They've really stepped up to the plate and helped our town tremendously. I can speak to that personally. A lot of the executive orders that Governor Lamont has signed has allowed us, Congressman, to be able to continue the service that's right. so vital at the grassroots level here in Portland. But be before we uh, close it out, I just wanted to ask our health director, Russell Melmet, if he had anything additional that he wanted to add. Not sure if he's able. Uh, thanks, to... Susan. Um, oh, go no, ahead, Russ. Really, uh, great, great to hear everybody um, make a comment. Uh, thank you, Congressman Larson, for, for all you're doing, and uh, and sounds like you are a proponent uh, to rely on uh, the best and latest scientific evidence before making any decisions. So that warms my heart. So thank you for that. Yeah, that and uh, again, Russ, I can't thank you enough. And it's I think important for citizens to to hear this. 
And uh, when I said before, uh, everybody wants to open up their communities and get back to normal as quick as possible. But if we don't understand that our our health and our economic security are inextricably linked, and they're linked to testing, to contact tracing, as you uh, so aptly described, treatment, and of course, ultimately, a vaccine, which we hope will be developed and uh, out there within a year to 18 months. Those are critical to a strong recovery. But if we ignore those, uh, then we're at risk of prolonging this pandemic or, and in fact, uh, prolonging the economic recovery. So, and as you point out, we got to get this right. And that means leaning on the experts, the scientists, the doctors, the healthcare professionals, the people that understand and know what we have to do. And if we do that and we practice, continue to do the, uh, what Governor Lamont, again, I couldn't agree with you more, Susan, about the way he's conducted himself and the way he's handled this and marshaled the state. And the long run is, uh, even though we're bookended between two of the hottest spots in the country, Boston and New York, um, he's uh, managed this extraordinarily well. And that in conjunction in the way that our local communities and counties are responding is going to be critical uh, to how we deal with this disease, both in its current state and as we move forward. Well, thank you, Congressman. I'm proud to have you there for us at the federal level. And uh, thank you. Thank you. It's great to hear all that you are bringing back to Connecticut. It's so needed and we appreciate it so, so much. So keep up the good work. Anything we can do, just let us know. I'll turn it back to Dave. All right. Thank you, Congressman. Again, uh, we're going to be doing some post-processing and post-production on this, and uh, I will get a link out to your uh, executive assistant, Sarah, uh, and so forth. And, uh, you know, just to give our viewers a little perspective on how you guys are conducting business uh, uh, at, at the Capitol, are, are most of your staff working or tele, telecommuting, or are they in the office, or just give us a, a perspective there? We have uh, a a shell group that come to the office in Washington and Hartford, but most everybody is working remotely from home. Great. You know, uh, now when you do the vote, is that, is that, uh, on the floor, uh, as far as that, that is on the floor, but they've gone to, um, extra, uh, lengths now to, uh, make sure that they stagger the voting, you know, with a body of 435 members. Correct. Uh, and, uh, and especially a group of people that are very, are by their nature, social, uh, animals, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, true. that's yeah. uh, you know, it's very difficult. Uh, but yesterday I, it, it's, I, in voting, it's the first time I can recall voting where I didn't run into, uh, any one of my friends. I did see Jim Himes from a distance and got to wave to him, but, um, and I saw Joe Courtney later on in the day in the uh as we were both walking back to our office buildings but it, it has been you know both the practice of social distancing and controlling this and even some of the things that we would like to change and uh you know it's not the first time that we've dealt with the crisis uh of course we had the terrorist attack of september the 11th 
We had to deal with the Ebola crisis. We also had to deal with a, um, the uh, Great Recession of 2008, 2009. So let us hope, and uh, this is true for towns and communities as we go forward, it is essential that we're able to gather and come together as a community. But as long as we're practicing the social distancing and uh, as long as we continue to utilize technology as as we are today, we still have to make sure that we're staying in contact. Susan, I think what you're doing with having your own portal for Portland, you know, people feel most comfortable with what their local communities are doing. Uh, there, You are the people they see at church and uh, at the shopping markets, et cetera, and they're the ones that they have confidence and trust in. And so that information becomes uh, uh, so vital, and especially, as Russ was saying earlier, repeating, uh, following these recommendations from wearing masks to social distancing, et cetera. And we'll get through this sure. and uh, come out on the other side stronger. I agree. Good hearing from you. Thank you, Congressman. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is con concludes our episode number five here of our uh, Town of Portland Update podcast. Uh, and again, a special, special thanks to our Congressman John Larson from our first district. Uh, thank you, Congressman. And also on the line, Mr. Russell Melbett, our Chatham Health Director for the uh, Health District. And uh, as always, our, our first select woman, who's the captain of the ship here, uh, keeping us all going in the same direction, as well as our uh, uh, Department of Public Works the director, as well as fire chief, Mr. Bob Shea. So thank you all. Uh, we'll be getting this podcast up again. We're broadcasting from our Town Tech Educational Podcast Studio here at Portland High School. Uh, we will be getting this post-processed, and uh, it will be airing uh, uh, up on our YouTube channel. Uh, and I'll, uh, uh, Congressman, I'll get, again, your executive system the link uh, so that you can put a link on your website. Uh, but again, thank you for your time. And uh, Thank you. And as well as that, and also we're, uh, for your viewers, that we also post-process this so it, we get it over to the public access channel Comcast over at Channel 15. So they air it uh, four times a week uh, coming up next week on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and at 4 p.m. and also at Thursday at 9 and 4. So uh, the information is out there for those of you who don't have uh, internet. <laughs> you can watch the TV and we put visuals to it. So again, thank you all and stay safe, stay home and wash your hands.